Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Miss Judy Gold. I am so excited. First of all, I want to thank Stand Up New York. Uh, on Broadway in 78. It's a comedy club on the Upper West Side. The best! And we're here. <coughs> they have the a, a uh, lab studio. They have a studio here, podcast studio, and they're letting us use their studio. Tell the truth. It's a meth lab studio, and we are we're here doing for meth. many reasons. We're doing meth. And I, I can't, I mean, this is like a dream. Come, I can't even believe you're sitting across from me. Two Jews walk into a lab and on Broadway. <laughs> That is her. That is Elaine Boozler. Oh, is that, that is who Elaine it is. Woo! Welcome to Kill Me Now with Make Elaine Boozler. Make some nice. Say it again. Welcome to what? <clears throat> Kill Me Now. Oh, Kill Me Now. With Elaine. Elaine, this is like, you're my dream guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're my... What are you yeah, 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 me? <laughs> well, thank you very much. You are my dream now, dream. Now, why, why would that be? You know, because Elaine, I get you, doll. Because as a young comic... Uh, I had a few people who I looked up to oh. and, and as, you know, as someone, look, I started, you started in 73. I started in like 82 ish, wow. 81, yep. 82 you in college. Young. And, uh, you were who I watched through Thank my, you. through my high school. You know, it, it was you and Joan. There were just certain people who let me know this is, you could do this. You can do. You allowed me to dream. Oh, you thank, gave me wow. permission to dream. God, I wish tipping was allowed in yeah. comedy. <laughs> so, thank you. And, and I, you know, my brother and I are vastly different. And the one thing we agree on, Elaine, he loves you. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thanks. And I'm like, but you like me better, right? Uh, anyway, yeah. so oh, I forgot my bell. Fuck. No, where's your bell? I got to do it on my phone. I left my fucking you. Ugh. Hold on. Hold on. I got to do my bell. We have a Jew bell. A Jew yeah, bell. Yeah, so anytime we say anything remotely Jewish. Uh, oh, my goodness. It's yes, a good thing you left it home. So It would sound like the Pope just found go. a new. <laughs> How's that? Can you hear that? Oh, there it is. There's a bell. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Okay, so uh, just to catch up on the bell, my brother, you, me. Okay, Joe. You realize all over Broadway, concierges yeah. are going to the front desk yeah. to see who needs yeah. what. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so starting at the beginning, I you have a you know I think you have an interesting life. Your father was a uh, an, a Russian acrobat. So you believe the bios. You, the bio was, you know, I had. Do you think? Did you make all that shit up yeah, about your mother being? Of course, I love that. Yeah, I had. I never. I looked. <laughs> Why everywhere. is that Jewish? Why is that Jewish? Well, you mother did, and father. You did beautiful research. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Yeah, that you was know, just the one. That was the one thing. <laughs> I was, was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" It was. Yes, I was. She, it was inspired yeah. by when I was a little kid. I watched the Dizzy Dean movie, The Life Story, and his wife said to him, "But hon, why'd you give all those reporters different stories about your family?" He said. Well, baby, they all wanted an exclusive. <laughs> That's hilarious. <I> know. <laughs> <laughs> you grew up in Sheepshead Bay. Yes. Is yes, is that well there were a lot of Italians yeah, too. Yeah, but so there was only there... one bell ring. Okay. Italians, and... Irish, black people, Jews. It was the melting pot of the world. And, and you and you were the youngest of three? No. Um no. What the fuck is that? 
I don't know. I have no idea. But thank you for doing the research. But I thought you I had so one. Appreciate it. I thought you had one sibling. Or no? Do you have one. two? But yeah. The, but the thing is, I'm fucking an, bullshit. I'm like the least known about person in the public eye. No yeah. one knows my history because I've left it behind for good reason. You know, you're good. That's very emotionally healthy. You know, one sentence is what you get. I was raised by the Taliban in Brooklyn. Right. That's the end of the discussion. I don't think about it. I don't want to know about it. Okay. That's it. We don't That's go there. That's fair enough. Ugh. Now you, <laughs> you did not graduate high school. I did not. Sheep said Bay High. Yeah. You know how in the old days they had two kinds of diploma is one was yeah. an academic, which meant you went to school. The other was called a right. general. It means we saw you here once. We need the chair. Get out. Right. So that's what I got. And because my birthday's in the summer, I was 16. So I was out at 16. And did your family as a Jew... That's that is um, that is Elaine. Boozer That's me drinking, drinking water. water. Very um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. What, you know, I, I don't. I really can't. I don't. It's all blacked out. I remember so, nothing before but, my first Tonight Show. But you went to the uh, the uh, Academy. What is it? The new. The <clears throat> That's when I was a little kid to keep me off the streets. Really? Yeah. So you and you forced were me like... into these lessons just so I couldn't have any kind of a life with friends. Oh, that's good. But it, it made you a great control. comic. Yeah. Well, no, it, that had nothing to do you with really? it. Really? You think so? American Academy of Dramatic no, Arts when the you're fact 10? That, no, the fact that you were, you know, forced to do all this shit. Well, you know how people say about this government, oh, it must be so great material. Right. And I say, you know, I'd rather have a good government and talk about my weight. Yeah. I feel the same about my childhood. Oh, look what it gave you. I go, you know, I would have rather have had a good childhood and be married with three kids and right. a nice yellow couch now. Yeah. It's not like, oh, look what you got. You it's want like a yellow couch? A lemon yellow cut velvet. Bell! This bell sucks! It's fucking broken. Oh no! You know why we we there gave we it a nervous breakdown within the first five minutes of the podcast. <laughs> That's why <laughs> within five minutes it went. Holy cow! This is heavy duty. I love it. Now you um yes. were a singer dancer. You went on tour at Godspell, like a bunch of okay, all that stuff, right? So yeah. you you were really a. You know, well, a, you know, I was actor. just trying to do anything. No, right. I wasn't. I had no gifts, and I certainly didn't sing by myself. And right. No gifts. You were but, in the company part of these shows. Well, you know what I did? I would just, there was a paper called Show Business and Backstage. There were yeah, two, I 50 cents. Yeah. And I would look at the, you know, look at the ads and whatever they were looking for just to, you know, I was working in a clothing store at 14. Right. I needed to get out of there. And um, I think when I was about 16, 17, they were advertising for, for dancers and singers for a show at the Lucayan. Beach Hotel in the Bahamas. Wow. And I lied about my age and got the job, and I got to live in the Bahamas for six months and walk to work in the ocean every no night. No way. No, it's true. And, and you I, were 16? Well, 17 by then. Wow. And, um, Very independent. Yeah, Elaine. so I was, you know, in that silly little show. It was three, gar three girls and three guys, and I had the time of my life, and they were all very dedicated show business. Did you tell anyone your real age? No, and they were holding ballet classes every right. afternoon and voice, and I I was, you know, sleeping with all the croupiers. Oh, and, that's awesome. And they're going, you're just horrible. And I said, uh, look, I have no interest in anything but paying rent. <laughs> I just want <laughs> freedom and, you know, life. And it's very funny because years later, and they were all very talented. Right. Years later, I'm walking up Broadway, and one of the guys is walking up Broadway, this little boy about three years old. And um, we stopped and said hi. It was many years later. And he looked at me and said, I just have one question. Why you? <laughs> 
Why you? Wow. And you know, instead of getting upset because you have no idea, well, you do know what right. people oh, yeah. say to us. Oh, please. We're garbage. We're right. the lowest yeah. of the low. They will come up and say anything Any to you. Fuck and tell you jokes and oh, fuck. They'll just, yes, it's fucking, the lowest I know. of the low. So instead of lashing out, I just said, hey, Tom, you look at this beautiful little boy. You're in New York. You have a nice life. Just be grateful. You know, it's all good. Nobody knows why anything. But I wanted to say, well, dude, <laughs> I had something uh, you didn't you have. Know what? Which you was want the answer to that? Gift. Qu- yeah, a gift. <laughs> and the answer to that question is the question you asked right there. <laughs> exactly. That you fucking asshole. Yeah. Fuck you, Tom. <clears throat> fucking asshole. Oh well. Right. No, no. No, he just, Tom. Good. Go. You know, people don't get. Yeah, look, Barry Betterman. Okay. <laughs> so um, you get a job at at the Improv. As a door person, is well, that I correct? Well, I actually went as a waitress. Okay. And you want to talk about, oh, what do you, who's, who's calling? Who's calling you? No. All right. Let me turn up my seller. ringer while we're talking. Right. Um, wh- what was uh, funny was you talk about Me Too now and all this stuff and how we went to work. You know, my joke is I started out so long ago, we didn't have a, a word for sexual harassment. We just called it going to work. <laughs> Uh, which is true. And so I go for the interview as a waitress to, you know, the improv, but for right. me, uh, wash my mouth out with soap. And um, thank you. So, uh, so I, I, you know, we're talking and he said, why'd you get fired from your last job? And it's true. After the Luke Hyam Beach Hotel, they all started doing cruises, the same company. Right. And they fired me because they said I was ugly. So, um, you know. They Wait, d- they literally said. They said, you're ugly. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. But I was very cute, I have to tell you. I that is the most hard are They'll you say, fucking kidding will me? Will they say anything to us? That's anything. true. And I have to tell you, I was so beautiful you could die. Oh yeah, you were. Go you, on my website and look yeah, at the, the pictures. Are fucking, com photos. And if you look at yeah, the early days amazing. of me as a dancer, you will fall down and die. I was beautiful. So I just it just shattered me, you know? And uh, so he said, Well But that wasn't the first time you, you I mean the last time you'd heard something so horrible like I've that. I've heard a million yeah, things, yeah. but I'm just saying that's why they fired right. me and took the other people on the cruise. Right. And I was just stunned. So um, when I went to uh, get the job as a waitress at the Improv, I was 20. And uh, he, Bud said, well, why'd you get fired from your last job? I said, they said I was ugly. He said, well, what do you mean ugly? I said, well, they said my nose was too big. This is what he says to someone who comes in for a job. Your nose, I haven't gotten past your tits yet. And I was so happy to get the job because, you know, Are that's, you fucking... No, that's how they talk to you. So I got the job and no kidding. That was a setup for what was the next two years of removing right. his hand from my ass every day of my life no for way. two and a half years. And just, you know, just, it was a horrendous and wonderful without his right. part two and a half years. You know, I found, you know, I've listened to f- several interviews you know, that you've done. And I and love that your little book is full of writing and that you actually care. Thank yes, you. Yes, look at Because nobody three pages. does that. You do. I have three no pages on No one does that. You. I love you. Well, I'm, I love you. And I just want to say. That's so so kind. There were so many things that I found as someone who came after you that were so heartwarming. The fact Ooh. that, you know, you, you ended up going on stage one night right. uh, because there were that's like... That's all true. Right, Every, three you know, Japanese people right. in, the, in the audience and Bud's like, go up there and you're like, I, I did I my songs. I already sang my three songs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's like, well, go talk. Go talk. You're funny anyway. And you yeah. go up and 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 then uh, 
two other comics come back on and act like they're p- urinating on you. Well, actually, I talked for an hour. Does yeah. that sound familiar, Mrs. Maisel? And thank you <laughs> when you were accepting your uh, Emmy saying, gee, we did a lot of research. Possibly my script that went around Hollywood for 15 years right. with all the stories in it that are now on Mrs. Maisel. Yes. Thank you. And fuck you people. Right. Um, anyway, oh, I went wait. up and talked for an hour. Oh, thank you. Was that Jewish? Um Talked for an hour, had no I was so happy to be away from him and away from the door where I was freezing because he kept it open no matter what, and I was right in the door. And that oh, night Oh God, that door. I that remember door, that door. He would hook it open and I had I had bronchitis for two and a half years yeah. because he wouldn't let me close the door. Like he needs it open. Well, um, uh, just so you know, because he was gone by the time I started there oh, and really? Silver was there oh, and we had the door closed all the pleasure. fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Silver. Sorry. Well, yeah. you know, um, it was so funny because he'd, he'd chained it open and it was minus two degrees yeah. on 44th and 9th. Yeah. Hell's Kitchen when it was Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. Kitchen. You're not kidding. And then Andy Kaufman would come and quietly unchain the door so right. it could close so I wouldn't die. But um, so... I went on stage, talked for an hour, two o'clock in the morning. All the guys had come back from their gigs. They were in suits. So Freddie Prince, Richard Belzer, and a wonderful comic named Tom Curley, right. who yes. was half of Edmonds and Curley. Right. About halfway through, they were so stunned at and what how I was funny doing. You are. And I had yeah. no idea that it was anything va- right. valuable, that they all came up with their backs to the audience and mimed peeing on me. And I have to tell you, I know it sounds terrible to normal people, it's but hilarious. it was the greatest it's compliment the great, of right. my life. To get shit on by another comic but is they, the great. I, yeah. I knew that, oh, wow, there's some respect. I mean, yeah. I, mean I know it sounds terrible to normal people. They don't people, get it. That's, but it was yeah. the best thing that could have. So I come off after an hour, and it was like, you know how they used to part in the westerns after the yeah. shootout when the guy who made it walked through. Yeah, they were. It was like walking down Main Street, and they said, "Do you know what you just did?" And I said, "No." And they said, "You have." No-. I said, "That was nothing because everything in my life that was worth anything was so hard right. and such a struggle. Right. Math and school yeah. and dancing and trying to sing. Right. I was terrible at everything. Right. This was like boom, right? Nothing. And it's they like said, an out of body experience. Yeah, because I had no idea that's what I was born that's to do. That's what I felt. The first time oh, I did stand Judy. up, oh. I felt like, oh my God, what the fuck is this? See, like, but this I didn't even mo- feel that. Oh, I did. Because to me, I just felt like, hey, I got away from this lech for an hour. Right. And um, that was nothing. And they said, you have no idea what you did. I said, you're right. And they said, that was, I said, it was nothing. It was so easy. It was nothing. And they said, you're, you're going to find out, you know, what that was. But I had no idea. I kept singing for like another, you know, year. Now, because- were you the only female comic at that time Emily Levine oh right who yes. went on to be a brilliant writer, writer of yeah. screen you know plays and television mm-hmm. and we're still friends 46 years right. later and a genius and her act was brilliant I'm the I, and then there was a, a girl who used to come and go named Kathy Joyce mm-hmm. uh, who was adorable right and then Lynn Lipton who was well known then as a really wonderful actress and the face of every commercial you saw right, in right, those right. days. She had the, the really adorable, I don't mean this in a pejorative, she had a lovely act that was, right. she was adorable. But I was the only one who was making it my career right. and meant it and was willing to fight and die for it. Hey everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which. Yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity and eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is 
delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, I Just Did Chef's Choice, 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D five zero, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% 50% off. That's code JudyGold50 at factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. You know, there's so many interesting things about you and your career path. One of them, from someone from my perspective, is that, you know, Andy Kaufman, who you were, you know, soul, soulmates. Well, we basically. lived together for two and a half years. Two and a half years, years right. And you say that he taught you how to be a comic. Yeah, he did. And, you know... If he was alive today, I'd kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is he alive? No, anyway, Uh so, but... I'll never tell. You know, and and you often, when I hear you speak about those days, it's it's the Belzer and the Freddie Prince and the Robin Williams and all these guys. Richard Lewis. Mike Priminger. Um... And all of, Frank Ajay. Franklin, uh, well, Franklin, Franklin was later in LA. This is my so New funny. York group. Okay, gotcha. But these guys embraced you. Oh, they yeah. fucking, you were that class of, of that comics. That class was a family. My first family I ever had. Right. Ever. It That's what people do. Like when I go, you know, now I know we're at Stand Up New York right now, but <laughs> when I go, you know, I still do sets. Of course. You know, four or five yeah. nights a week. I know. And I'll be in the worst fucking mood and be like, fuck, you know, and then you go, of course, you go on Facebook and, and this one's, you know, starring in their own fucking, you know. You can't yeah. worry about and that. And you got to put that out of your head. Yeah. When I walk in a comedy club, it's, I feel like I'm home. Of course. You know, of and just text. So, you know, it but, was, you know, you have to know about Facebook. I mean, everyone's life looks better when people right. say, oh, my God, you're doing so well. And oh, I'm not. Please. And I say, you have to understand what I, Facebook is my business card, not my diary. Oh, that's what 
I say that? Get a fucking diary. And you know what I'm sick of? If you're on Facebook, like people who take photos of themselves in a hospital room and don't say why they're there. You know? Hi, wish me luck. Think good thoughts. What the fuck are you in the hospital for? And then for? you find out that it was five years ago. Yeah, right. My you're favorite fuck. is my mother died uh, 94 years ago, right. and I still miss her to this I know. day. And I go, lucky you. Yeah. I tried to kill my mother. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Mr. Nuts, who I uh, love. I love, nicest guy in the world. Oh, gosh, yeah. And the craziest, yes. maybe. He said that you were the Jackie Robinson of his stand-up That's class. true. And they saw what I went through. They yeah. knew what I was going in, through. In, you know, and I have to say. And plus, what, I, I was batting 340 at the time. Right. So. Whatever, whatever was there with that group, what didn't translate to my group uh, of, of of male. You know, I always have thought that the male comics in my sort of generation really boosted each other up and helped each other out. But you know, I have heard about this, seen it, and known it. Yeah, and we were and the first and last generation. That? Yeah, where the fuck did that go? I mean, the only people who've given me like major jobs. Rosie O'Donnell, Margaret Cho, um, I'm sure there's more. That's Don't get wonderful. mad. But you know, those are the people. But who he, let me for show me. you the upside of that, because I'm always looking for that. Mm-hmm. The upside of that is I was the only one and they loved me and protected me and I was their sister. By the time you came along, there were women now. So yay, you were on equal footing and it became competitive. And that's a good thing. Right. They and didn't I didn't have that. to be nice. And to the you. other thing about you that separated you from, you know, and look, we're, we're not saying there was no Joan Rivers and there was oh, no, no Phyllis no, Diller the and there was, was no Mons the Bagley. Was, and I'm right. happy to talk about but them. But y- you were a club comic. You were a club comic. Uh, and It's not that they weren't. Right. Here's the difference. Yes. And I call it the second golden age of right. comedy. And my book next year right. called Big Fun is, it's not an autobiography. It's just it's the stories from those days because right. I was the doorman for two and a half years yeah. and I was the fly on the wall and right. nobody knows these stories, which are so hilarious. hilarious. And, you know, the book is just because of our hard times right now. It's right. just the fun, funny book. Right. And it's all the great stories that you go, oh my God, I can't believe right. this. So that's what I'm writing about, not my life. Right. But here's the difference. In, and here's the thing that, that got me to look at it. You constantly hear from, you know, feminists, which I am one, uh, for years. Same. Oh, those, thank you. Oh, those women were so self-deprecating. It was terrible. And now we're not. And I say, that's okay, I well, get. let yeah. me explain this to you because it's in the liner notes of my new boxed set, Elaine Boozler Timeless. I have it written on my notes. Thank you. Four iconic specials and one brand new CD. The liner notes put everything in context and explain this. And here's the explanation. No, they weren't self-deprecating. They were working in the 50s and 60s. They were doing exactly what the male comics of the time were doing, reflecting their times and their audience's lives. What are you going to tell me? Oh, the women were self-deprecating. No one ever says the men were self-deprecating. What do you think? Rodney Danger Field was the poster boy for success. Right, exactly. All the men were doing the same thing. That was comedy then. Right. They were hangdog husbands and wives right. <clears throat> trying to survive their marriages, their kids, and their lives. And they were brilliant, the women, because they were exactly doing the right thing in stand And that was disarming at the time they as well. They were reflecting yeah. their, li- their audience's lives. They were reflecting right. their times. Right. That was what was happening then. That's exactly what they should be doing. And Jackie Vernon and Jackie Gale right. and Rodney Dangerfield and all of them, 
<laughs> they were not. Right. They were as self-deprecating as the because that was what comedy was. Right. The break came. You know, the big change started. Dick Gregory, uh, Lord Buckley, Lenny Bruce, Robert Klein, uh, of course Richard Pryor. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, yeah. You know, later George Carlin. Right. I mean, what happened there was it became younger. It became uh, more outward looking than inward looking, and we became the town criers. When I showed up for that night to be a waitress, it was uh, Andy Kaufman, Richard Lewis, Richard Belzer, Freddie Prince, uh, no Jew there, uh, Jimmy Walker, Pryor was dropping, and Lily was dropping, and we don't count her as a, a stand-up because right, stand she's up. a gift from God, yeah. so she's just in her own yeah, cloud. Yeah, she has a whole, her she's own, her own planet, she's and amazing. thank God she showed up. I know. But um, so that, it would, you know, it was these young, young guys in their 20s, and I would listen to them while I was waitressing, and they go, hey, you know, and they're talking about their mothers bothering them, right. and school, right. and dating, and they'd go, you ever notice, you ever notice, and my head went, I always notice, I always right. notice, and I went, oh my, oh, I was 20 and I could relate. Right. That's when it changed, and it had nothing to do with self-deprecating, not self-deprecating. We reflect our times, and the right. times had changed. And you were, honestly, the first female... Single. I was the no first young yeah, yeah, single female. Dressed up for you were a date. the Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> yeah. uh, dressed up for yeah. a date uh, in Brooklyn, but still. And, you know, trying to be as smart and pretty as possible. Right. I wanted to be pretty. I wanted to get dates. I wanted to be smart. Right. And, you know, I, I went with all of it. And I cannot tell you, night after night, you can't do this. It'll never work. Right. You can't, you know, all older women coming over that were actresses. I tried it. I, you know, you can't do it. And when people right. say, you have any advice for Comedians, my only advice is don't take any advice. That's what I say. Follow your gut. There don't you let go. anyone tell you what to because do and get they, as much stage time as possible. You have to. They don't know what's inside of you. They don't know what you're, what's coming out of you. They don't know where you're going or what you see yourself as. Right. You must follow yourself. Now, I, I'm going to go back, but I have to tell you, when I... <laughs> When I, I read you this, have this joke, notebook. I, when it's like I read take, this joke... You're taking my medical history. I love it. No, I read this joke online... And I was like, I can't, this is the fucking, I. It's probably Carol Leifer's no, joke. No, it is not. I constantly get. Carol Leifer, by the way, like you were her idol. Oh no, she's it. But she has the greatest yeah. joke ever written in the world. And every week, what is it? at least once a week, if for 46 years, someone comes up and says, you have my favorite joke in the world. They do the joke. And if if I think they can take it, I'll say it's Carol Leifer's. But if I know they're going to die of shame, then right. I just let it go. The joke is, no, I don't have any children. Um, well, none that I know, know about. about. Yeah. And the flattering thing is that they think I mean, because we all know it's the greatest joke ever written. I'm flattered they think I'm uh, that was my joke. Right. But I always give her. Do you know? Credit. I just someone just quoted it on Facebook, and I said, "No, that's actually Carol Leaf's joke," know. and she wrote, "Thank you." I know. I always fix yeah. Twitter because they're always tweeting it to me. The one of my joke, one of your jokes that I literally was like laughing in my apartment. Pac-Man is the history of the Jewish people being chased while you're eating. Right. I mean, that is the fucking. Like, for me, who was a Pac-Man addict in the 80s, like... <laughs> now, for me, who's such a stickler for the word right. and the construction of jokes, it's actually being chased while eating. While eating, now, right. I think the your, eating, isn't no. that interesting how the your slows down the yes, punchline? Yes, absolutely. There's, some, there's something very musical yeah, about chased it. being chased while eating. Of course, I wrote Pac-Man is the history of the Jewish people and didn't write the other half. But, <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you, here you are, you're at the improv, you're... You're, you know, you're living with Andy. No, he's um, living with me. Or he's I had the apartment. With you. It's always the woman who has the apartment and, and you're dating a drummer or a comic. Right. <laughs> um, you're, you're touring. 
you start touring eventually. Eventually, um, after the two and a half years. Right. And and you are out on the road and you're do you know, because a lot of people don't know this. Like uh, comedy fans don't realize, you know, you, me, there's a bunch of us who do stand up because that is what we want to yes, do. Yes, I wasn't getting using it as a stepping stone right. to get a show. And it is has turned into, and I think, I don't know. It if, took 46 years to turn into a profession. Right. Where they're now teaching it in college, which right. I still don't get that. You but, can't teach it. But yeah. in the old days, it's like, well, what do you want to do? Right. Well, I want to do this. No, but what do you want to do? Right. Because it was just nothing. And I it's talked nothing. about, Judah Friedlander said, like, he's like, people are like, oh, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm doing stand-up. Yeah, oh, but what do is you that, want to do? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, yeah why can't I, I fucking do stand? Like, what are you going to do after this? Right, more stand up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Madigan, Madigan, Kathleen oh, Madigan. Yeah, we she, are the road dogs. Yeah, she is like, I don't want to be on a fucking. I fired my agent. Don't send me on an audition. I'm a stand up. You know, and there's a bunch yeah. of us, and it, I think that you know, especially in the you know late '80s, early '90s, when when the first comics started getting shows based when on cable their, came and it yeah, blew cable. up. It just blew up. I think it did a disservice. Uh, well, it just in depends. A way, in a way, it did a service and service, took out the right. people who shouldn't be. You know, but now there's that extra layer because then it was like, oh, I can write a stand-up back and get my own show, and people would literally write their sets like, you know, so I live next door to my uh, great grandmother, who's like, you know, <laughs> and my I live next door to Michael Richards. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> so, I'm not saying Seinfeld, but I'm saying everybody tried for that. Right, right. Yeah. And and now we have this extra layer of I'm going to do a funny YouTube video. Yeah. I'm going to get this many followers and then I'm going to get booked at a fucking comedy club and I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. Well, it's fascinating now to me that headliners can only do 15 minutes and they have to get some middle act who's right. a real comic to do the 45 right. first and the headliner gets 25,000 and the middle act who's gets nothing. Who's doing 15 minutes? I don't want to name names. Uh, after? Oh, uh, yeah, sure, okay. after. So you... But you, I mean, I do, you know, two hours, 90 yeah, minutes Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's a, so, it's a show. Yeah. You know, I love... I mean, people say, do a one-woman show, and I go, look, I just want to do stand-up. But Dennis Blair has a funny joke. He says, oh, yeah, one-man show. Your act with furniture. Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty much that's it. That's what and it I'm is. And I'm stupid. I should do it. But you should... You could, you know? You could but I don't. I just want it to be called stand-up. Right. And it is stand-up. And it's... it's stand-up. Jackie Mason proved it. How, right. how much better does it get than that? Not right. better at all. So you are going on the road. I do about, I'd say I do about an hour 15, an hour, yeah. thir- an hour and a half. Well, I don't let anybody open. I'd say. Yeah. But People if they like, insist, do you have an opener? If they I insist, am, I if get someone. If they insist, someone. I get a woman and it has Same. to be a woman and that's Same. it. You develop your act and you end up going on the road and you're doing... Two hours. Two and a half. Two and a half. In those days. At those, in those yeah. days. Okay. And this is when all the guy comics are getting specials, starting to get specials, right? Yeah, I started hitting the road in 76. The specials started in the early 80s. Early 80s. And Robert Klein and, you know, and this oh, is everyone, a whole- yeah, everyone. A whole new, you know, thing. Oh, you go to every fucking person and say- Give me a special. I'm doing two and a half hours on the road. Mm-hmm. Nope. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No one wants to listen to a woman talk. No one and- wants to see a woman do an hour. Right. That was the, the line. Okay. No one wants to see a woman do an hour. Exactly. That was the line. Okay. Yep. 
And you're like, well, fuck that. Well, I kept bringing in my reviews from right. Michigan and right. North Dakota right. and, you know, everywhere. I was everywhere. Right. Places you wouldn't think they, they loved me, you know, because, you know, what I do, I'm warm and it's funny. Right. And I'd bring in the reviews and the headlines were things like, this is the longest and funniest show we've ever seen. And I'd say two and a half hours, two and a half hours, you know, and they love it. And it's, it's you know, it's not just New York and L.A., it's Mississippi. And, right. you know, and they go, well, you know, they don't want to. And then finally, um, was there ever a woman that you pitched to? That said that? Well, the women were higher up, you right. know, like Sheila Nevins at HBO. Right. They were right. higher up. So the thing that was so great was Chris Albrecht. Yes, who, who had, by the way, was a doorman at the improv. Well, he bought in when right. Bud went to LA. Right. Uh, Chris bought in and became, he became the guy who ran the improv right. and saw everyone and knew right. everything about comedy. So they steal him away to run the comedy department at HBO. HBO. I, and now he's seen me work for years. Right. I go up for the meeting. He's over the moon. Oh my God. You're going to be my first project here, and it's going to be so great. I'm giving you the special, and you're going to be my first special that I present, and they're going to know how good we both are. You know, God bless right. Chris Albrecht, and I'm an atheist, right. which I am. And I, I, he said, come back next week. I come back. I, he walks in the room. I already knew. He said, we can't do it. They won't buy it. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even I mean, he, what, what did that feel knew, like? Was that like it was impossible? And here's why: were Every you guy, were you devastated? Or were yes, you like, of course I was devastated. And then you were like, well, um, here's why I was devastating. I, it, it, it killed me. It right. killed my career because all these guys are doing specials and moving up to bigger places and making money. Right. I'm still in my tiny apartment. I'm playing the same clubs year after year for the same money with new material right. every year. And uh, by the way, for listeners, that in itself does not happen. Maybe a handful of comics have right. new material, yeah. like a new act every right. year. Yeah. So I can't move up into better show business, you know, get money, make a living. Simply because. <laughs> because you don't have that exposure. Right. And nobody becomes a star on the road. They never have and they never and will. And prior to cable, a lot of people don't know this, prior to cable, you did a Tonight Show, you did something, that was it. It was, there was no, the path was the Tonight kill show. on the fucking Period. Tonight Show. Johnny it. says, come sit down, you're done. That was it. And then cable came and that was the end of yeah. that. You don't want to hear my Tonight Show stories. <laughs> that, I love the Helen Reddy Tonight oh, Show story. Yeah, just amazing stuff. Just, um, you know, no one has ever said a bad word about Johnny because even from the grave they're terrified of him but he was not a good person yeah they, there's a book about yeah, women. yeah there were no books because he would kill you he was the most powerful no, man in America since he, since he but, died, yeah. but Craig Tennis who was uh, you know worked for the show for yeah. years while Johnny was alive Craig wrote a very very complimentary book and Johnny still had him killed because you're not right. allowed to talk about him right now the books are starting to come out to tell people what he was and all my stories will be in big fun when well, it comes hello. out well hello first of all what he did to Joan. And what he did to me, I'm yeah. telling you. But yes, what he did to oh, Joan. Oh, I can't wait to say. What he did to Joan was unconscious because right. you and I are the kind of people where if we helped someone get a leg up and then she or he got something good, right. we'd You'd be like, them. yay. Hey, no one's going to knock Johnny Carson right, off right, number right, right. one. It should have been like, hey, whatever audience you get, congratulations, and I'm rooting for you. Right. Because we help our friends and we know who we are. We're going to be fine. Right. And he was that small a human being that he couldn't even who let her. Who is that small? Everyone. Mm, orange, <laughs> orange. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so you're, you're, you then decide, you know what? 
I'm going to raise the money. I'm, uh, you no, had the money. You had the money yeah. or no? Yeah. Well, you yeah. know what happened? All these guys. You found a producer. Yeah. All these guys way after me yeah. said, oh, I had to use my credit cards to make my little movie. I right. go, credit cards? Who had credit cards? Right. Okay. So it's 1985. I had been on the road literally 52 weeks a year without even owning an apartment right. because there was no place for me to land. I right. didn't need to. Did you I, stay in comedy condos as well? or Never. Was it? Okay. Never. I, I never did any of that. I was like, this is who I, what, who right. I am. This is what it's going to be. And right. it worked. Right. You know? But um, I was on the road from 76 to 85. I had my, you know, I never spent a penny. I had $10,000 saved. These wow. shows cost 350000 to make. So I'm in Paris uh, because I went to London and Paris every week, every Christmas for 10 years right. because we had the Des O'Connor show in London. Oh. And for 10 years, they would book me on the right. show. Awesome. And they, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, me traveling, didn't yeah. graduate high school. I get to see Big Ben in person. I right. looked at pictures. I didn't even believe it existed. I thought I was dreaming. Right. I mean, this girl from Brooklyn who didn't graduate high school and literally was raised by crazed sadists, right. insane Taliban fucking lunatics right. who destroyed a nice boy, my brother and right. me. I mean, I'm almost crying when I think of him, right. but it was so awful. So um, they would send us two first-class airline tickets, uh, send me first two, and I would trade them in for one coach ticket, right. and, and I would spend uh, a week in the Savoy oh, in London and a week at the Louvre Concorde in oh Paris my God. alone for 10 years in a row because my life's dream is to be the loner. Right. And literally, I would always meet someone wonderful in Paris and have the time of my life for a week for years and years and years. So it's uh, 85. I'm in Paris, of course, over the holidays. I fall asleep because I never stopped walking. Right. I would walk 20 miles a day. And I wake up. It's about 11 o'clock at night. And I go, I'm too tired to go out and eat. And then I say to myself, how dare you? You are in Paris. You don't get to miss one night in Paris. You get out of this bed and you put on your makeup. It's Paris. And I went, of course, what am I thinking? And it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm on the left bank. And I put on all my makeup and get all dressed up. And I'm walking along Saint-Germain-de-Prés. I'm fluent, by the way. I taught myself French. Wow. And, um, and there's a beautiful seafood restaurant, La Végénande, and it's open. And I go and I'm the only customer. And they couldn't be nice. Nicer, right. And I'm talking to the waiter, you know, gibbering away in Paris. In come two gorgeous guys, right. one with brown hair and gorgeous big brown eyes and yeah. a blonde. And they're sitting away from me and they keep looking at me and looking at me. And I'm chatting a mile a minute in French to the waiter. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, they think I'm a little French girl, right. you know. So it's time to, and I hear them speaking English, it's time to leave. And so instead of going around the empty restaurant, I squeeze past the brown haired guy's right. chair and he turns around and he says to me, are you a school teacher from Brooklyn? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about that how to take the Paris out of Paris. Fucking, oh my God, and I that's said, hilarious. Uh, no. And he said, but I know you. Do, do you know Lorna Horowitz? And I said, yeah, she was one of my best friends in high school. He said, well, I'm, I was her boyfriend, Steve. And I said, I've heard about you for years, but I never met you. Well, that became my living for the next no. seven Fucking Remember seven the years? Liza Minnelli seven years. Remember the Liza Minnelli song? You gotta ring them yeah, bells. You gotta ring, ring them, them bells. You gotta yeah. hootie yeah. too. You gotta yeah. ring them bells. It's such a happy yeah. thing. So yes, he lived in New York. I lived in LA. He had just come back from shooting the film Ruben Ruben and Friday the Thirteenth. Right. And they were in Germany doing a GE, uh, uh, you know, corporate. And and I, you know, he came and moved in with me in LA. And um, 
And he that said, is the best fucking story. I hope that's in the book. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he said, what, what's going on? And I told him, and he said, what? You know, I said, but you have to understand, even if we did a special, it's personal. They hate me. And he right. said, you know, you're crazy. And I said, well, that aside, right. they do hate me. It's personal. And he said, it's not personal. It's business. You have to show them you can make the money. I right. said, I've explained that I can make the money. I've showed them the reviews. Right. And he said, I'll do, we'll do the show. And I said, Steve, I have $10,000. Right. The shows are three fifty. We need four cameras, right. five cameras, editing. He said, I, I own an editing company in New York. I know everyone. I'm a DP. I'm a, I've done every wow. job on a film. Right. I, I'll shoot it. He said, and every I know everyone in New York. Let's go to New York. So we go to New York and he gets the best of the best, all the guys who shoot movies, you know, the best techs. And he says this to them. He says, okay, here's the deal. You could get a little bit of money now and we'll do the special and you will be done. Or you can get your full fee when Elaine sells the show. Now I was so known by then. And they all right. said, Elaine Boosler, we'll wait for our money. Right. We shot it's still one of the finest shows ever right. done. Party of One, Party of which one, is yeah. in my new boxed set called yes. Elaine Boozler Timeless, because the shows are timeless. And we shoot Party of uh, Party of One. I get, but he says to me, "Look, they've already turned you down fifty times. We're going to have to get stars that they can say no to, right. just to do a little thing at the beginning." And we were like the first people to ever do the opening sketch. Right, right. Bill so, Cosby. Bill Cosby. It was his first week as his show at number one. Right. He single-handedly revived not only the sitcom on right. TV, but but revive the fortunes of NBC. It's funny that you using the word revive with Bill Cosby. Well, yeah, probably won't <laughs> happen again. Yeah. But revived the sitcom, uh -huh. revived NBC's fortunes, and brought back giving comedian shows, which right. is why that started happening right. again. So we got Bill Cosby, and he was on the cover of Time that week. I got uh, David Letterman, whose show had just become number one. He had never stepped outside that show. Right. Dr. Ruth, her first big year, she was yeah. tremendous. Yes, I remember uh, that. Larry Bud Melman, who was such a cult figure right. on Letterman. Brother Theodore, who was the right. New York cult figure of all time. Tom Waits was my best friend. He gave me his music. Uh -huh. I mean, it was everything you could imagine. And then the best act anyone's ever done because 12 years of honing that material. Of course, yeah. You know what About that means. About every fucking night. Every yeah. joke was a diamond on a piece of right. velvet. That's Jewish. Right. So <laughs> It's so we do it. He, but Steve said to me, "You have to, you have to do the heavy lifts and teach you how to direct, produce, edit, and that's why I can do I anything love this, now." Steve. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, I learned how to produce. I edited myself offline for six no months. And this is pre pre digital, pre fucking pre everything. So I've yeah. got five cameras to right. edit. And offline editing meant that you did a rough cut. It took years because right. you would do it by the time code and you'd write it down right, right. and you'd shave things off. And if you wanted to say put a different scene at the top of your hour, you had to recut the whole show right. because you couldn't stick it in. It was it was manual, not digital. Right. So it would take you another month to add two seconds to the top. So you had to be pretty sure about your offline editing. Right. To his credit, George Slaughter, who I had written for. Oh, I love George. Right. He created Laughing. He's right. a comedy genius. He piece loves of history. comics. Yeah. yeah. He. Um, I have to tell you, he was so incredible to me. We didn't have money to edit, of course, and I went to him because I had recently worked for him writing shows because right. I was a writer too all the time right. when I got tired of the road. And I said, I need to, an editing bay. And he owned the ed biggest editing thing right. here. He said, here, here's the key. You, you know, teach yourself how to do the joystick and you get the three quarter machine and whatever you need. And I was there for like a year wow. with, you know, free. So I couldn't have done it. Um, so 
we have one of the greatest shows ever made. And I know I'm not being um, modest, but it really is one of the greatest shows oh, ever made. Beyond. People still come up to me yeah, it's in the market. Brilliant. They quote every joke right. in the world. And, and you sold, how did you sell it? So I go back with the show. Now it's done. And they say, sorry, no. Oh my God. Sorry. So I go home to Steve and he said, you're right. It's personal. I'm sorry. You're right. I can't believe it. What do you want to do next? I said, here's what I want to do. I want to go on the road for a year and pay everyone. And then I quit. And he said, okay, I'll, we'll move to San Francisco. I'll teach filmmaking or something. So I went on the okay, road for a I year. I just have to insert. Sure. I love Steve. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he was a good guy. <laughs> yeah. So I go on the road for a year. And the greatest saying is, if someone in TV doesn't like you, wait five minutes. Right. But it was a year, not five minutes. Right. And of course, new young hip guys came in and took over Showtime. Steve took the show up there and they went, holy moly. And I got four specials, millions of dollars, which is why I still don't have to work. And that's what happens. You have to wait for the old guard to drop dead. I know. With their hate and their misogyny yeah. and they're not wanting the society and the culture to change right. and recognize women and black people and immigrants and gays and everyone wait, else. Wait, this sounds so familiar. Does it? Wait. Do you think we've gotten through it? Uh, no. Yeah. So you're now a household but let me yeah. tell you the best part. Yeah. I go back to HBO with it first. Right. And by now they have developed the Cinemax Comedy Experiment, yes. which was a half an hour of anything you wanted it to be. Right. So they come back to me and they say, great, we're going to buy your special and we're going <laughs> to... You okay, doll? You need a lozenge? Well, a tissue, a cough trap? It's, it's minus 20 degrees in this room. It's very cold. I just put my coat back on. I know, I'm note. about to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I take it up there and they say, great, we love it. We're cutting it in half and calling and putting it on the Cinemax comedy experiment. And I said, you motherfuckers. I'm not an experiment. Right. How dare you? No. I, and and cutting it in half? Go fuck yourself. Because it was a half hour right. venue. Right. I said, you're calling me, me, an experiment like, ooh, let's put her, let's yeah. see if this woman could right, tell right. jokes. I And I was so broke and so, you know, I said, you can go fuck yourself. I'll eat cat food. Right. And, uh, but then Showtime got the new guys in. And Peter Chernin, who now owns oh, yeah. the world, yeah. and Alan Sabinson, to their credit, yeah. it was just the joy of my life. And then HBO, I remember, started doing these one night stands with women. Like they wouldn't well, still here's wouldn't what give happened. the women the yeah. Well, what happened was, and it's in the liner notes of my new box set called Elaine Boozler Timeless on Amazon. What happened was, <laughs> you love it. You're going to throw something at best. me, aren't you? No, I love it. Um, what happened was, uh, no, you know, nobody cared until the New York Times reviewed it the next day. It came out, the New York Times went crazy. Right. And they said, basically, where has this been? A, a attractive young woman standing there talking to us without... Oh, attractive. All of a sudden, you're attractive. Without flaying herself for right. our amusement. Right. It's all I ever... I could have written it myself. It's what I wanted. I hope uh, you and, uh, framed it. No, no, because okay. I have so many of them. But it was, <laughs> you know, just like, hey, a wonderful human being talking to us, and we don't have to be uncomfortable. Right. Well, in a minute, HBO announced Women of the Night. Yeah. Four women each Friday night 
write 15 minutes a piece for an hour, and they still had to name it after hookers. Right. It's That's the fucking, yeah. But that is why people say I opened the door in cable yeah. for women stand-ups, because that show did. Yeah. And they were so like, oh my God, we better jump on this bandwagon. Right. So then they called me, HBO, and I went up and they said, uh, we want to sign you for all your next stand-ups. And uh, I said, oh no, I'm staying with Showtime. They bought me and I'm loyal. Right. And they said, well, how about the Cinemax Comedy Experiment? You can write some movies, a movie for us. You can right. write and direct your own movie. I said, I'm in. And they said, but you can't work for them too. You have to only be here and do your specials for us. I said, let me tell you people something. Nobody wanted me. So I'm going to do your fucking Cinemax Comedy Experiment. And when I go back to Showtime and they say I can't, I'm going to tell them they can go fuck themselves too. I'm working for anyone I want, anytime I right. want, forever, because nobody wanted me. Right. So don't even try. And what did they say? And they said, oh shit. And I did two movies for the Cinemax Yes, comedy, I have them here. Which I wrote and directed yes, and I wait, still love. Yes, uh, comedy from here and the call. Comedy from here, a drama. A and drama, the call. yes, and right. the call. And I went back to Showtime. They said no. I said tough. They said okay. And I went back to HBO and said tough. And they said okay. And I worked for everyone all the time because they didn't want me. And here's the best thing that happened because they didn't, you know, they hired all these guys to do right. their special, so they owned them. Right. Nobody owned my shows so because great. I made them. So that's why I can even release right. a box set 40 years later because I own the shows. Now, d did you have an agent at this time? I had that was... nobody ever, so anytime, that is, ever. That makes it even more beautiful I that know. you're in these fucking meetings going, go fuck yourself. Oh, yeah. And if you had had an agent or someone representing you, they would have been like, no, 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 no. Thank did God you know what I just Steve. remembered? What? Well, Steve didn't come to the meetings. I, know, I mean, I was the, but you, he yeah, gave me yeah. my career and my my life there. And I, well, Andy right. gave me my life and right. Steve gave me my career and I appreciate them both. And I give Steve, you know, all due credit everywhere. Um, um, there was a woman in one of the meetings with Chris, a young woman who should have gotten me. And I had on this really gaudy bracelet that I had just brought back from Paris. What year is this? Uh, early 80s, I okay. guess. Yeah. And, I'm, and I loved this bracelet. And I knew it was, you know, yeah. gaudy, but that's what I loved about right. it. It was from Paris, bitch. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. She says nothing in the meeting. And then at the end, she starts to be very snarky and says, you know, if you ever get a show, you should wear that bracelet. That bracelet. You should never take that. You should wear that everywhere. And I just thought to myself, fuck you, bitch. You fucking Yeah. Cunt. And that's pretty much what our lives right. were and probably still, still are. are. For the most part. You did The Tonight Show. Uh, you, oh. were, you were on <laughs> Letterman. That's like saying, so you did Auschwitz. Yeah. Now, then you came back. You, you were in Auschwitz. You did. That it is not, you did The Tonight Show. Now, so you were in Auschwitz. Then you got a job. <laughs> Let's talk about the job you got. But the you Helen skipped Ray, right over Auschwitz. <laughs> um, but no, I'm saying, you, you know, after this, you're doing... You're doing a lot of TV. You're missing the point. What? Even getting th getting the Tonight Show after what I went through there. But yes, go ahead. No, no, no. I just I know you want to skip. No, I don't. I want I want to go. I want to go on. There's just a funny Tonight Show story that I was trying to get to. But oh, what? What? Um, um, but you no. But you're you're you are a household name at this at this time, and you're still having to fucking fight your way. You never stop fighting. Do you know what Phyllis right. Sterler said to me? And I tell it to all my good friends when, you know, she loved me and she, I was always at her I house. I loved her. And she couldn't have been more generous. Yeah. She was the kindest person you'll ever meet. So talented. Oh, so amazing and warm and sweet. And and I, I was in the middle of the hard times and I'm at her house. I said, how did you not quit? And she said, darling, every morning for breakfast, I take a teaspoonful of shit lest I forget the taste. 
Wow. So that's what you have to know. And we're yeah. still eating shit. So I still do But I still love it. I still fucking love being on We wouldn't yeah. be here yeah. if you didn't love it. That's when people say to me, should I be a dentist or a comic? Right. I say, if you have a choice, be a dentist. Yeah. And if, if you, you have you to ask that question. But that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. If you have a choice, if, which means you don't have right. to do it right. in your gut, don't do it. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, or, let's just kill me. Oh. Don't forget to turn... Uh, for part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's <laughs> just... Just Kill Me. Now. No, Judy no. Gold's Just Kill Me. Just Kill Me Now. Just Kill Me Now.